Good evening and welcome to this week's episode of This Week's Episode. I am your mildly healthy host, Evan. With me, as always, is the cold-infested Karen Randazzo. I never answer any question more incriminating than do I need a rug. And the plague-carrying Chris Randazzo. It looks like Liberace's quinceanera in here. (laughs) 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 On this week's episode, we talk television. Uh, So sometimes we do get a little spoilery. This week, we are going to be revisiting a couple of shows and saying goodbye to one. Um, So if you do not want The Grinder, The Muppets, The Real O'Neills, or Downton Abbey spoiled, please go check them out. Come on back and listen to us talk about them because we try to make them slightly more entertaining for you. Um, I know it's a big deal, Karen, for you, so I I want you to get this out of the way. Are we ever going to see the Abbey again? Well, there are rumors of a movie, but oh, I don't God. know. You know, we'll we'll see. I mean, we did have six seasons, so it's only right to have a movie now, I guess. Is that how it works? Is that, is that six that, seasons in a movie? That was the hashtag for bringing back community. They wanted six seasons in a movie. Uh, that's true. I remember. Which that. stems from Abed's love of the cape. <laughs> oh God, the wow. cape. That show's going to get canceled. Six seasons in a movie! <laughs> so, so far, we've believe. just commented on two other shows that we need to talk about at some point in time. So. Yeah. I can't believe you remember the origin of Six Seasons in a Movie. That's awesome. <laughs> um, so we might get a movie of Downton Abbey, but if we don't, I think it'll be okay, because this uh, series finale was basically everyone lived happily ever after. Like, really? That's a rarity. Everyone. Not everybody. Oh, okay. (laughs) One asshole didn't live happily ever after. Everybody who deserved to live happily ever after seems to live happily ever after. Exactly. Like, the Abbey didn't blow up. See, Chris, now you just... Now now I find out you'll flat out lie to me. When I asked if there was a car chase and an exploding bus in it, you told me yes. (laughs) She said the Abbey didn't blow up. She didn't say that there wasn't a car chase and an exploding bus. This is true. Continue. (laughs) What was it that you said about the butler... He had a buttle hard. <laughs> and if he didn't buttle hard enough, he would explode. <laughs> Something along those lines. I was using the word buttle for the rest of the day that day. <laughs> it's a great verb. Yeah, um, I mean, everybody that you could wish to have a happy ending had a happy ending. Everybody that you could wish to pair up, paired up. And uh, everybody that you want, would want to make up you know that was in a fight they made up they you know people who wanted new jobs or old jobs or different jobs they all got what they wanted like it was freaking just the happiest of happy endings so they bow tied everything really did nice. they really really did so like the the it was a two hour well it was an hour and a half finale um the the first the first half of it i guess i mean it was mostly a wedding episode first half they were setting up the wedding uh the people who were getting married who was the um middle daughter of the earl of of grantham uh she had this guy who wanted to marry her but she has a secret daughter um who she tells everybody is her ward so no one will know it's actually her real daughter because the girl's father died and she had the child out of wedlock the whole thing um, so the guy found out about the daughter and, and he was mad that she didn't tell him, so he left. Okay. Then he decided he wasn't mad and he still loved her and he couldn't live without her. And her sister, who they had had a big fight, um, felt bad about the fight and ruining her life and causing the guy to run off. Um, because she, the sister was the one who told him about the secret daughter. She arranged it so they got back together, and he told her everything and decided they wanted to get married, and yeah, everyone's happy. And so they had to go up to his, like, mother and get her <coughs> approval. There was a whole thing where, like, they weren't sure they should tell the mother about the secret daughter, but eventually they did, and she decided to be cool with it after a little while, and so, yay, there's gonna be a wedding. And there's no problems. And then the second half was the wedding. And it was like, just like, you know, a big, t- big to do, a chance to show off the, uh, the sets one last time, uh, was really, 
uh, one thing I'm really going to miss about this show is the sets. It's actually shot on location at an actual castle called High Clear, um, and it's beautiful. Neat. Um, so I'm re- it was really nice to see, like, everything. You know, they had the wedding right after Christmas, so they set up everything for Christmas. That was why this was the uh, Christmas special. Oh, this was the Christmas special. Yes, because in England it aired at Christmas. So they're like, oh, well, we'll combine Christmas and the wedding and everything will be wonderful and joyful, except for in America where you get to have Christmas in March for some reason. Oh, they <laughs> held this that long. Interesting. Yes, yes, yes. I forgot they that s- this doesn't run concurrently. Exactly. They started airing Downton right after the new year. And so by the time they burned off all the episodes, here we are in the middle of March. Um, so she got married. Everybody was happy about that. The other sister found out she was pregnant. They were happy about that. The, uh, you know, (laughs) I could go, I could go through everybody's resolution, but like, if you watch the show, you know, and if you don't watch the show, you probably don't care, but (laughs) (laughs) everything, you know, there was a wedding, there was a baby, there was a there was a maid who was pregnant, and she was due any day, so of course she had the baby right in the middle of the wedding, <laughs> like, at, in the upstairs part of the house where the maids aren't really supposed to be unless, you know, you know they're having <laughs> unless babies? They're, or unless they're taking care of the people they're supposed to be taking care of as their job, but gotcha. she went into labor. Um, the, the I guess the kind of sad part... The not as happy ending was for the butler who didn't, who really didn't buttle as hard as he could because he couldn't buttle that hard anymore. Uh, is what it comes down to. He had. He was buttling out, really. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Um, he um, had basically, I and mean, they didn't say what it was, but it looked like Parkinson's. Uh, he had the beginnings of that because he had tremors in his hands that he couldn't control, which made it hard to buttle. Um, and he tried to hide it for a while, and eventually um, he was overcome and couldn't do his job anymore and felt like he needed to resign. And uh, the the lord of the house really wouldn't have anything, to, wouldn't hear anything of it. He's like, listen, retire. We're going to take care of you. You are going to handpick your successor. And you're going to hang around and tell them what to do. And then they happened to have somebody who um, was qualified on the household staff who had left to go take another job. But he didn't like the new job. So he was able to come back because all he wanted, he didn't want to leave, but they were kind of making him leave because they couldn't afford him anymore. So he was able to come back and take over the butler job, which was what he wanted to do all along. But he didn't think the butler would ever retire. But then he had to. So it was a little bit sad that Carson the butler had to retire, but, you know, he deserved his rest, and and he still got to hang around and boss, boss Thomas around, so. so. So this whole scenario is still continuing. It's not like something happened where... Yeah, it's like, ending. no, you know... We're just not it, watching it on TV anymore. Exactly. Like, nobody died. They didn't take... They didn't lose the house, you know, it, you know... Everybody continue. Everybody's continuing on, like they have sort of new chapters in their lives that they're all gonna start. But uh, it, it, everybody's gonna go happily on. It's still within the book of the Abbey, so that's mm-hmm. good. Yeah, so it was really nice. I cried eight times, <laughs> <laughs> um, and there was just a little bit of everything that you would want. You know, there was like. There's the, you know, the Dowager Countess, everybody, like, recognizes her because she's Mag- Maggie Smith. Um, her two servants just are constantly at each other's throats. So they had one last little, like, spat that was for comic relief. Um, the kitchen staff were, you know, their normal selves of the, the one kitchen maid just really, like... I told I told the Chris like he's watching it with me and he's like, "What's her problem?" I'm like, that's her thing. She's just annoying. Like, <laughs> that's her that's character. Her, that's her role in in the household is to be annoying, pain in the ass, and uh, she did exactly that. And well, good. Yeah, everything was really nice, and I'm going to miss this show. Uh, I think it was really well done. 
I, I would look forward to seeing what uh, Julian Fellows, who is the creator of the show, will do next. Um, hopefully something else grand and wonderful on the BBC that they bring over here. Any sort of theories or ideas that they're going to switch over to something else to, to fill this at, uh, void? I have no idea. Um, I uh, have rebooting a- NYPD Blue. Awesome. Stop it. Scotland Yard Blue. <laughs> <laughs> I would watch that. Not for nothing. I would watch that. I wonder what the British equivalent to Andy Sipowitz looks like. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I would certainly say that the BBC has freed up some budget by... uh... You're going to write that down, right, Chris? (laughs) Oh, I probably should. Okay, good. Thank you. Yeah, the BBC definitely has some money to work with. Yeah. That, like, the stars got really um, big, so I'm guessing they got big paychecks like Hugh Bonneville who plays the Earl of Grantham he's a he's a big guy he's a big star in England so uh well even, so I'm sure I'm just he got a good at paycheck the, the 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 show makeup itself not the the cast but the the locations and, and oh yeah and all the costumes and the sets oh. it had a big production budget I'm sure and uh now the BBC can spend that on something else hopefully wonderful here's open Doctor Who Give all that money all to Peter Capaldi monies. to let him stay. All the monies to who? <laughs> Do you think that if they gave him all that money, he'd really stay? I, I don't know. Uh, that would that would be nice. I I was, I like him. I was I just getting used to him. You know. I don't think he's holding out for more money. No. I think he's at that like crossroads every doctor comes to. But anyway, no. that we're not talking about Doctor Who right now. <laughs> we're not going to talk about it for a long time. Dear, dear. Uh, well, I will say that I watched some of this. Uh, episode of Downton Abbey, and uh, this is the second piece of Downton Abbey I've ever watched. The first being an episode where everybody seemed really happy until somebody died in a car crash right after expressing how happy he was. And I turned to Karen and said, why does anyone watch this? (laughs) It was just brutally awful and mean for the sake of being mean. But I can clearly tell that this show has got like just the right amount of British humor to it, and uh, just such a a heart and a style. It's it's undeniably well made, and I I, I think if anyone has any kind of misconception about uh, what what's what was a uh, what did John say? He thought it was a show about women drinking old ladies old drinking ladies tea. Drinking tea. <laughs> I'm sure old ladies drink tea plenty plenty often in the show, but I mean this show is it's clearly well done but as i was watching the finale i'm like i don't i don't know what i'm looking at here <laughs> i don't understand what's going on i mean there were funny jokes i could tell certain characters were were worth my time and certain characters were were shitheads and those shitheads got what was coming to them at the end and one of them tried to fuck with uh um maggie smith she shows up and she's like, "Look, this is this lady is gonna like lay down the law and say how it is, and she's gonna get with this your your dad who is like dying or whatever because he's fucking dying, and she wants to be with um, uh, what's her face from Doctor Who, um, Penelope Wilton, who is uh plays uh Isabel Crawley on the show, Mrs. Crawley. She plays Mrs. Crawley, and who was she on Doctor Who? She was uh, what's she what's was that Harriet name? Jones. Harriet Jones. Harriet Jones. How <laughs> could I forget that name? And so people like Flydale knows, we know who you are. Harriet Jones wants to get with this old guy, but the, their kids are just like, no, no, you're staying in this house because you're sick and dying. You need to spend time with your your shitty family. And then Maggie uh, Maggie Smith is just like Professor McGonagall herself. It's just like, what is this bullshit? Get your ass over there and take your man. And so she shows up at the door, and the, the kids are all just like, no, 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 we're all British and proper dickheads, and you're not allowed to come in. And she's just like, fuck you, bitch, I'm coming in. And then like they're all trying to. Fight fighter and whatnot and 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 professor mcgonagall just looks at him just like yeah she's taking my advice bitches you don't want to fuck with her let they're they're leaving then they just gave you a house out of the deal so yes i guess they did technically live happily ever after but they didn't get to keep their dad captive in the end uh so they were they were just gonna be miserable twats for the rest of their days so screw them Good it was show, a though. lot more british than that but basically <laughs> <Yeah>. he's right <laughs> it was that but British. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, like... That's like way classier. <laughs> <laughs> what you were saying about there should, people, there being a perception of this show being about old ladies drinking tea. They do drink tea, and there are old ladies, but there's also, like, intrigue going on during the tea drinking, and, like, witty barbs, and, like, 
secret drama. It's it's very you know involving and entertaining. I think if it was just about old ladies drinking tea, like why would everybody watch it? <laughs> yeah, it's it's got a hook. Like there's there's no it's 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 got a hook. If you if you like good television and you jump into to watching like any of this, you're probably going to wind up getting hooked. It's not going to take long. And as I was just pointing out before we went on the air, uh, there are only 52 episodes, which is really sad to me, but they're all good. Well, that is good to know. I'm glad it. I'm glad it ended nicely, as opposed it did. to that. It's happened so rarely yeah. in TV these days. Yeah. All right. Um. So I'm gonna take over because we're gonna go from a, a nice English family to an oddly set Irish family. I I don't know how I came across this, but I'm gonna assume it was on Hulu. I stumbled upon the show The Real O'Neills, which is a sitcom about a a generic Irish Catholic family who, in the pilot, has the the mother you know standardly in an Irish Catholic family the the mother rules the house in a way that makes everybody think that the family is perfect and the crux of this show is that the O'Neills are far from perfect and we find out why about halfway through the episode um in the pilot we find out that it's mother father three kids um we find out that the parents are getting the divorce. The youngest daughter is a thief. The oldest son is anorexic, and the middle son is gay. We I literally found out all of those problems in a span of about eighteen seconds, because they're all confronting each other in this, you know, kitchen area of of their church and trying to have this little family meeting. And they all just blurt everything out. The I'm not 100% on how I feel about the show yet. I've only watched two episodes. Um, it, it, it stars um, Martha Plimpton, who I've always liked. I, I don't know if you recognize her name, but I think it's uh, Steph from The Goonies, the awkward friend. Um, every time I see her, I'm like, oh, I'm curious. Let me let me see what she's doing. And every, I don't recognize anybody else in the cast. But the show is about the O'Neills, uh, Eileen, Pat, Kenny, Jimmy, and Shannon. And it seems to be a Malcolm in the Middle-esque show revolving around, um, I think Kenny is the, the middle child. And yeah, it, it's it's sort of his family from his perspective. They have neat little... I don't want to call them interstitials. They're like he he. It's a Family Guy type thing where he f- fades and he he starts hallucinating situational comedy, and then he gets drawn back into reality. But he is dealing with the the fact that he is gay in very odd ways because he has a girlfriend, and his mother is very much for him having a girlfriend even after he has professed being gay. Um. So the whole second episode is him explaining to his girlfriend that he's gay and odd situational humor about, you know, well, uh, you sh- do you feel that you really are gay and how do you know if you haven't tried? Because the whole first episode is about him losing his virginity. It's, don't get me wrong, I enjoyed it. It is standard fair for sitcom comedy the the family is uniqueish i guess because it is from a irish perspective and if you have any sort of inkling what that is they just lump it all together for a solid 30 minutes the entire time yes we get it you're irish catholic there's guilt and anger and yelling and ugh but once the family starts realizing that they are flawed and they're going to start living this new life that's not so perfect, it seems to be getting a little bit more entertaining. Because, you know, the, the, the parents are, are, are splitting up. So half of the second episode is the 
father saying, well, I have to, I have to figure out what I'm going to do. And he goes apartment hunting with his oldest son. And they have this little interaction in a hot tub in the, in the new apartment complex that he is going to move into. And they're in T-shirts just saying how cool it is to, you know, just go with the flow and everything. And all of a sudden there's this larger Russian fella sitting in there. And they, <laughs> they kept calling the, 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 the hot tub a, a soup, the devil's soup, as a matter of fact. It's, it's cute. I don't know how long it's going to be on. It doesn't have anything unique enough to keep it running for any sort of length of time. So it's I'm going to check out a couple more, see where it goes, see how interesting they can make this single family. Um, I feel it's going to get a little old relatively quickly because I haven't seen anything new come out in the first two episodes. So. so I have uh, I, I I'm sick right now and I came home from work early and I wanted to watch Avengers Age of Ultron mm-hmm. and it's not available for rent on anything okay. like at all okay and I was really pissed off about that so I'm I'm putzing around on on Hulu trying to decide all right well then I'll just watch a few episodes of Rick and Morty and pass out mm-hmm uh, and as I'm looking for Rick and Morty, it's been a while since I've watched it, and it was no longer in my like recently watched Hulu thing. But I saw a little ad saying to check out The Real O'Neills, and I thought, well, you know what I could do right now is be a good podcast co-host <laughs> and watch The Real O'Neills. So I watched the first and second episodes of The Real O'Neills, and I almost smiled twice. It... <laughs> <laughs> That was the, the, the closest I got to it. Like like what you were saying about the, the little interstitial type things, it reminded me of, like, it, it actually reminded me like a ripoff of what they did in Scrubs, only not nearly as good as, mm-hmm. as JD's That's imagination. That's also a very good representation, yeah. The, the, um, the mom character is absolutely unlikable. Like, I, I didn't recognize any of the actors or actresses at all in it. And really? You didn't the recognize mom, the mom? I didn't recognize her, no. Um, and she's horrible. She's, I didn't, I, like, I, they're playing this off like, right, you explained this show perfectly. You said, you know, in span of a couple of minutes, you find out that the, the parents are actually, like, repressing everything, and they're actually in therapy, and they're going to get a divorce. The oldest kid has an eating disorder. The youngest daughter uh, is a compulsive thief, and the middle son is gay. And this show is exactly as funny as that sounds. <laughs> I, I did laugh. There was one scene where the oldest son is is getting food in a line. And, you know, like it's a buffet line and they're lopping on mashed potatoes and corn and everything. And he's just making comments and, and, and ooh, got to love the corn. And then he gets to the end of the line and takes this big whiff of it and then and throws it all throws in, it the right in the garbage. Like that, and that gag itself is funny, but that kid is a fucking cartoon character. Yeah, and I think this show's problem is that it it's playing everything, it's playing everything too goofy. Like, well, it's playing everything stereotypically, and goofy. Like this, there's no, there is all right. So, Modern Family is a successful show because the characters have a sense of realism to them. Like, there is a sense of the fantastic to the characters. But they're at least grounded in reality. Mm-hmm. Every single one of these these characters is a cartoon stereotype, with the exception of the dad, who um, uh, was the blonde-haired guy playing Damien Dark, Neil McDonough? Neil McDonough. The, he, he reminded me a lot of Neil McDonough. He was probably the character I liked the most on the show. Okay. Because um, he seemed the most grounded in reality. But, like, okay, the little... The, the daughter... Um, ha, what is it? Stealing all the money that she, she got for charity? She for... African <laughs> to children. send to Africa, and she used it to buy a car off Craigslist. It was a funny joke. It was just that the joke was the delivery system for the joke was bad. Like the girl, the actress is is she's doing fine, but what she has to work with is like it's all too wink, wink, nudge, nudge. You know, mm-hmm. like it's like they're playing all these problems for laughs, and like at the heart of it, these are serious problems, and you have to like take those seriously to get comedy out of it. But it sounds like they skipped that step. Yeah, like yeah. there's th- this is one of the things that really that really bothered me about the show is that it tried to have a serious moment with the mom, and it fell so flat 
because I didn't like her at all. There was no soul behind it because she was just this. Are you talking about the caricature. canoe scene? Was that the canoe scene? I don't even remember if it was the canoe scene. It was there was a, a point where she like tried to be serious for a moment and then it went right back to being funny. Yeah, it was the canoe scene. Yeah, because she was um that she should was have been about a moment. That, that should have been a moment and it, wasn't. and it wasn't. And and I was pissed at the show for that. Now the two times that I almost smiled <laughs> were where I think the show really showed a a level of potential that I don't think they're going to do anything with. And because it was at the end of both episodes, it was the post-credit scene for both episodes when it's just the kids interacting with one another. Mm-hmm. And those three kids, when it's just the three of them with their personality, they have a level of honesty with one another that nobody else in the family has. And so, like, they're just these two little bits. So one of them were... Um, they were sitting they were, on the couch... Was sitting that? sitting on the couch, and they uh, the older brother was like, "Okay, so you're gay, so that means you're into fashion stuff, right? So what's wrong with my look?" And before he even finishes the sentence, both the little sister and the little brother who is gay say, "Your hair," and it was just it, the scene was charming and played perfectly, <laughs> and they they were the only the the, the second one was. Um, the the shirts that the the gay son was wearing <laughs> everyone kept calling shirt. blouses yeah but you're holding it so <laughs> you're holding it. there's something about your face that makes it look like a blouse <laughs> and those were the only those 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 were the the scenes that worked because there was something endearing about them and I, this show's premise like just based off the trailers made it look awful and when i watched the show it was exactly as awful as i thought it was going to be but what i didn't expect was to see that the actual premise isn't bad. No, it's and, not, and that's what, and that's my point. Is like I'm not a hundred percent on how I feel about it because it could be something entertaining, it could be something good, but I don't know if they are still trying to find their legs or, you know, work shit out. The, the show's going to need to drastically reinvent its tone. I mean, especially every character outside of the family is actually awful like it's a, yeah it's a that, horrific caricature like, of another bad character that they saw on another show exactly oh god and and the um the woman who they really wish was melissa mccarthy but isn't like they're, oh, they're oh come on friend. guys come on guys really like you're really gonna try to do this <laughs> yeah the, her best friend character is 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 cringeworthy all of the writing was just so cringeworthy yeah. And it's like you can tell that there's some talent in the in the in the room. There's somebody that wants to do something here, and this show needs to be, it sh- the show needs to be a more Modern Family, less Malcolm in the Middle. But even Malcolm in the Middle, even though those characters were caricatures, they injected enough soul and love into it that, and it was just it was just weirder in just the right direction you know like there mm-hmm. was a certain magic to it yeah I this show agree. misses the mark on every level and just reeks of just but, another but sitcom. my point is that we see that it's it's possible with those after mm. credit scenes like it's there like there's something in there that can happen Maybe get rid of the parents. I don't know, but <laughs> like I said, I like <laughs> dying a fiery car crash. I, I think the dad's good. I think they've done some horrible character assassination with them with the mom. And yeah, you're right. There is there is something there. Um, she was the I mom was, was also in, in Raising Hope. I don't know if you ever saw that. No, I didn't see that one. She put, oh, no, but that's where I know her from. Offbeat characters. I don't know. I, I I'm gonna give it another episode. I mean. If I happen to catch it on Hulu again, I'm not going to purposely avoid it. I'm curious as to <laughs> there are shows on Hulu that I will hardcore avoid. If there was a hide button for some <laughs> of them, <laughs> like Evan just sits on his couch and holds the blanket up in front of him when those screen those shows come across his screen. No, 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 no. I'm not here. I'm not here. I'm not here. Um, I did not get a chance to check this show out, but I think the problem that it arises for me is in the premise. Uh, so if I understand this right, they're an Irish Catholic family who appear to be perfect, but behind the scenes they have real problems mm-hmm. that are divorce, eating disorder, being gay, kleptomania. Well, even okay, you can't even say eating disorder because by the end of I I want to say it was the first episode, or maybe halfway through the I think it was the, the beginning second, of the second episode. He's that eating she had him because eating pancakes. she made him pancakes in the shape of Jesus. So that fixed okay. that fixed his anorexia. Like, well, 
my point is that I don't, I understand that, that, you know, the Catholic people are a certain way and how it feel certain way about things. And, you know, religion causes certain things to not be okay. But like, there's nothing wrong with any of these quote unquote problems. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. the gay kid just needs to be gay. He just needs to be out and gay and he'll be fine. The kid with an eating disorder just needs some like medical treatment. He'll be okay. The girl with kleptomania probably needs some therapy too. And she's probably doing it because her parents are horribly fighting all the time. And the people who have a divorce just need to get divorced. And like, if everybody just does the things they're trying to hide everyone's life will be okay and there will be no show. Yes. Like, it just, when, it's weird to me that that's the premise. All right, well, I, I think what's the, what, what, what the show does is that what they're, it, it, it's the story of them realizing that they need to do this, that their, okay. their lives up until this moment where the son attempts to come out as gay and then all the other problems uh, come out is that the family is obsessed with this with what other people think of them. So it's not even the, the family. The mother is, and yes, nobody else mother. fights back. They just let her be. And yeah, when I so, first saw this show, I, exp- I was like, every time Bill Burr shows up, either in a movie or a television show, and he's part of that family. You, you, if you know who Bill Burr is, you know what I'm talking about. That's the family I expected: loud, obnoxious, funny. That's not what this was. It was borderline uncomfortably realistic with caricatures for people. And and yet at the same time, completely overblown and unrealistic. Mm-hmm. It's It was ridiculous. Like in the second episode, after the kid comes out, the mom refuses to accept it. Like, yeah. and it's, and and it's and- awful, but it's like that's that's something that could happen in this kind of situation like it's yes all those those problems would be very it's it's easy to say that that's how you solve those problems but it's not as easy as just the the kid gets therapy or the the medical attention like there's those problems are very deeply rooted and there's room to explore something like that and make an interesting show and like the, the the whole thing with the mom character, which made her so reprehensible and gross to me, was the whole like, you know, pray the gay away. Like, no, you're not actually gay. Why don't you, the completely flip flopping of oh, being gay is a greater sin than uh, premarital sex and that kind of stuff. Like, it was gross to me, and that's, but that's something that some people really feel, and they they kind of played it up like this. 80s TV show joke mm-hmm. and it's a real problem and you can treat that kind of situation with a level of comedy but you can't treat it with treating it with you that kind of comedy as a joke. you can't treat it as a joke then that's and what I was trying it minimizes to get at. it yeah yeah and it, it, I think the show needs needs to not minimize these problems so much and then you can find a heart and then you can make it genuinely funny and and make these jokes that are good jokes that are being written for the show make them shine and then make the show into something special so evan please watch more of the show i'm not going to because <laughs> i don't know if it was just because i am sick or the show made me sick but i didn't leave with a good impression and i watched both of them because you can't judge a show based on its pilot alone that's true so I'm curious to see if the show does get better. I have zero faith that it will because I feel like I know what this I know what the people producing this show want it to be and I don't think it's what we think the show should be. All right. I I will continue for you, Chris. I appreciate it. I I'm a team player like that. So, we're going to go from this to I don't know, a relaunch, a reimagining, a reworking that succeeded on Every level for me. Because love. <laughs> Chris. Agreed. Chris, please th- come forth with some sort of rant about how awesome the Muppets are. I, I mean, in th- this show finished off very strong, in my opinion. Like, okay, we, we've already talked about on the show what happened where the, the showrunner was let go and uh, they brought on the woman responsible for Gallivant and the tone of the show changed. And it was almost all perfect. Like, the show became the show that I more or less wanted it to be in the first place. 
And while there's still like you know there, there's still some relationship drama in there, I don't think it's necessarily a, a, a bad thing just because they're not so overtly talking about Muppets screwing each other. <laughs> it's like it's it's what the Muppets always have been. It's it's a show that I wouldn't necessarily mind watching with kids in the room. And uh, I, I think they did a, a wonderful job of tying this all together. And this two-part season finale was was brilliant. Um, I thought there were some really really laugh out loud jokes, uh, particularly in God. I don't remember if it was in one of the finale episodes, the thing with the eggs, or was that the week before? That was previous. That was the, that was the week before, before that. with the thing with the eggs. But, but I did I mean, see that because I caught up on it, and <laughs> out because at the end he grabs. From that offspring the potential basket. children basket, yes. <laughs> potential offspring. Oh God, there there was just there were great great jokes in here, and so what, what it seemed like what the show wanted to do was get Piggy and Kermit back together, and that other character, the other pig what? character, is an afterthought, and I'm fine with that because not only was the the puppet itself kind of ugly, it just I didn't care for that character, and it, it's this whole thing didn't really need to be there. Um, and I like that the fact that you know Kermit and Piggy aren't like actively really uncomfortable around one another. You know, like they they now have the chemistry that Kermit and Piggy have always had, and it's enjoyable. But so the first episode was called "Generally Inhospitable," <laughs> and um, you know Kermit is officially single, and Piggy breaks her leg in rehearsal and it's grotesque it is gruesome isn't it horrible it, it, we all know that it's a puppet but it was but still horrific 90 degree angle sticking out to the side and and they played that up on the show like everyone that would look at it was like either throwing up or passing out i like and miss piggy's still trying to stand on it like what it's fine don't worry about it yeah because she hates hospitals because and- she was dancing to a beyonce song for the show that was my favorite part about that <laughs> And I, I, I dig the episode title as well, generally, Inhospitable. Uh-huh. So, I mean, I, the line, lines are kind of blurring in my head as far as what happened in which episode. But basically, she winds up in the hospital. Uh, Pache wants to have a co-host, like a guest host. Pizza. And, no, pizza, Pache, whatever. Um, and uh, Piggy's like, no, it's my show. I don't want um, a guest host. I want to do it. And then Kermit arranges the whole thing where they do it from the hospital, and she's pressing a button to call the nurse, but it's actually her morphine drip, and she gets high <laughs> as a kite. And some I love yous are exchanged before uh, she goes into surgery, uh, which makes Kermit realize that he really does love Piggy, which makes everybody else realize that that's the case, because the cameras were running the whole time, and they saw the whole conversation. So now everybody knows that Kermit loves Piggy, and Piggy said it back, but... um. Uh, Piggy doesn't remember this because she was in surgery. So um, she was high on morphine. She was high as a kite and going <laughs> well, into I surgery. Mean, see, but yeah, she said, "I love you, Kermit," and then she was like, "I love you, hand sanitizer <laughs> <Yeah>. dispenser." <laughs> exactly. <laughs> when she comes out of it, uh, and Deadly uh, reveals oh, to her what she said, I love that her... character. Oh, Deadly oh, is Uncle fantastic! Deadly is amazing, fantastic. And I'm so glad that uh, Gloria Stefan is, is still a character, too. <laughs> I love that thing. And uh, he tells her that what happened, and she does this like super happy dance, like, yay, Kermie loves me. And uh, it was it was really cute. It was great. And then the whole, you know, she, she kind of finds out that it wasn't like all of a sudden, oh, no, I definitely, definitely love her. Like, P- Kermit was still kind of flip-flopping, and they have this kind of will-they-won't-me thing throughout the episode, and... Like all of the the staff are getting together, trying to make this big grand gesture, and well, the staff voila. the staff themselves were getting into Kermit's head. You know, half of the staff was yeah. team friendship, the other half was team love, and the whole thing came to a head. And and we we got the clarity that we needed from Jack White, which I thought was just a little weird. <laughs> Was definitely odd. That was, I mean, it seemed like an old Muppet Show kind of thing. That bit with Jack White, where he goes, you know, Kermit ends has a problem and he doesn't know what to do, and he ends up going and talking to the guest host, and the guest host host helps him figure out the thing. Except the guest host was Jack White, and that's just fucking weird. Yeah, Why does Jack White know everything about love? 
But speaking of callbacks to old Muppets, like the was it Veterinarian's Hospital? Hospital. Yeah, they did that. Oh my god, I was so happy (laughs) that they did that. That was so great, and it was just like the old one. (laughs) They and they did it on another patient in the hospital who had no idea what was going on. She was like, "What the hell are you doing? Get out of my room!" (laughs) Yes, but if you'd noted when Willie Nelson did his number, she was grooving. Of course, she was rocking out. They must have gotten her morphine drip going. So, yeah, I mean, really, what this all boils down to is, like, right, all right, so right at the very end, we had this kind of, um, uh, what was it, Piggy took uh, Ambien and something else. Uh, yeah. uh, like Chardonnay Chardonnay, because she was, she, was she was getting on a plane to Thailand because she wanted to get away from everything, and Kermit went after her. And this was when we dis- this was when Piggy discovers that pre-flight calzones are not actually a thing, <laughs> and Kermit the Frog has been secretly giving, <laughs> secretly ensuring that Piggy has a pre-flight calzone by giving calzones to like flight attendants and stuff before all of her flights, which was such a brilliant joke. And now and I want a calzone. And also a really sweet gesture. Exactly, it's an incredibly sweet gesture. Um, so they get on the plane and they're gonna be you know, go on a little vacation together to Thailand. And before Piggy can, like, say she loves him back, she passes out, and that's kind of where it ends. Um, so it's setting up what I think would be a really interesting season two. And as long as it continues on this trajectory, I think this show has the makings to be everything that you would want out of a Muppet show. I concur, sir. I mean, I like, it's funny because after the... I don't I don't know the mid-season stuff happened and just the simple change of the opening like now it doesn't start as drearily and yeah it's it 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 turns the the temperature of the show in a different direction like it feels better to watch it now it's not so down it, it's not so mean to Kermit that's also very true the rest of the cat seeing the rest of the cast way more now than we were before and way less of that like i am actually noting how often we see your your little i don't know what was he the, the geek chip oh, chip that's it yes we rarely see chip and, which is a and, good thing and when we actually do see him it's mildly entertaining yeah i would say since the season break uh all the chip appearances about 40 percent of them were actually tolerable <laughs> Which is a big leap. It is. That's forty percent better than it was before. <laughs> all right. That's it. I, I'm so happy that this it turned around to the way that we all wanted it to, which is good, and it's heading in, definitely heading in the right path. It did, and I really hope ABC decides to renew it. It's, yeah. it's still middle of the, the road performer. Um, there's definitely some behind the scenes politics regarding shows like Gallivant, Muppets, and Agent Carter right now. Yeah. And the I would, uh, Sorry. Uh, I think uh, the a- the ABC president was uh, asked to step down and has been replaced. And they were asked to step down based on the lack of success of shows like what you mentioned. And so with the new person in place, I hope that that person will be on the side of keeping good stuff like this going. Yeah, because I would say all three of those shows. I mean, we really wanted to talk Agent Carter. There just wasn't enough time. But holy crap, Agent Carter great great show really really good show and even though i haven't seen season two of gallivant i still recommend it because i liked the first season this is this is good stuff this is good stuff to have on your network i know it's not bringing in the greatest numbers in the world but i mean you've got some quality television on your hands so abc people who clearly listen to this show abc um, big fans of the show big fans of the show um Listen to us. Keep these shows around. Um, they're good for you. They're good for America. Thank they, you. Good night. They did listen to us about the, the, the way they handled the Muppets. So they did. We'll see what happens. So, all right. Uh, with that, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, when we get back, I, I, I just we're going to hit the grind. So uh, stay tuned. After a brief hiatus, Bits and Brews has returned with something, well, a little unpleasant. What happens when you pair a beer that's super spicy with a game that incites super spicy language? You get a combination that's a lot of things, but is enjoyable one of them? Find out in Bits and Brews, Habanero, Sculpin, and the Impossible Game. Brandon and Travis are joined by another awesome guest in the form of the super talented Leah Rose. I hope it's Leah. I haven't listened to the podcast yet. 
They ask her questions about conventions, cosplay, and all things video game in this very informative interview. There may even be a musical number. Find out if the Apathusiasts can sing in Apathetic Enthusiasm Episode 57, Leah Rose for the win. Do you love animals? Do you love cages? Do you love putting animals in cages and then charging people to come look at them? Well, Alex and Ed have the game for you! Head on over to our YouTube channel and watch the latest Let's Play from a pair of guys who seem to love animals maybe a little bit too much. Don't miss Robot Nightmare, Zoo Tycoon. The Pokemon franchise is 20 years old. Let that sink in. I'll wait. To celebrate, Vicky and Chris spent some time listening to the sweet sounds of the Kanto region. We're talking, of course, about the best music from the original Pokemon soundtrack, and there's much to discuss. Be sure to listen to the Waveback Podcast, Episode 20, Pokemon Red, Blue, and Yellow. You can catch all this great stuff, plus tons of other articles, videos, podcasts, and more, right now at GeekAve.com. And we're back. Thank you for checking out our commercials. Um, we're going to talk about The Grinder. Specifically, like the last three or four episodes, because there's something very big in the works here. Now, there's conspiracy. There, there is there is an, a footing of a conspiracy, and I don't like it. This show has taken a hard <laughs> left turn into crazy town. <laughs> um, I'm good. I think it was like three or four episodes ago. Um, there something happened where there was a meeting between uh, the the law office and a prospective client, and the grinder was too grinder for the meeting, and they lost the job. So that turned like this switch where all of a sudden they felt the necessity for Rob Lowe's character, for, for, for Dean, to get rid of the grinder out of his life completely. Or at least to get some therapy to help him, like, separate reality and the grinder. And that therapy turned into a removal of... Everything grinder (laughs) from his life. Everything, yeah. Which, you know, I guess in theory is is sort of good for the Dean Sanders character. Like, if he was a real person, yes, you'd want him to be, I guess, more in touch with reality. But... It it's just in time for this um, weird sort of of case to come up between a a past client and and um, the father. I can't remember the father's father's name. He dad. We'll call him dad. Yeah, I don't think he actually has a name. I'm actually looking at the list of cast, and he's not in the in the, in the first set. I have to click for full cast. Um, the the client is suing the dad for malpractice if i'm not mistaken is yes that right? and the dad's like oh it'll be fine everything's cool i'll knock this out of the park or it'll get thrown out what like the dad's not taking it seriously at all and the fred saravage character is 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 worried like this is a thing we could we could lose the practice and it, it gets to the point where stewart and okay Stuart and Dean's mentality in the show have switched. Okay. Dean is now in law school. Stuart is thinking that there's this giant conspiracy and following people. And he is being more grinder than the actual grinder is. The entire, like I, I'm going to say last three episodes is full of Stuart trying to bring his brother back into the fold of the grinder because they everybody feels that they need the grinder to to win this case and dean has taken on the role of telling his brother you're crazy you're imagining things you need to calm down you need to take it easy nothing that you're like thinking of is really happening right it it, because his brother made him go see his therapist who turned out to be a crazy lady herself maya rudolph i love her (laughs) it's it's the, the which is she ends up sleeping with dean so they're lovers and client 
and, and patient doctor thing going on there. That was a little weird. <laughs> so, so when we're in the bedroom, she's my lover. And when, when they were in the office, she's my therapist. And that's how it works. <laughs> and it's like, and he, this is how Dean is, is explaining it to his brother as if, yeah, that makes total sense. Why don't you get this? Like, because that's insane. <laughs> the show is doing a very good job of like sticking with this crazy premise that they've set up to the point where like I'm on the side of Stu. I like something's going on here. I don't know what. But well, th- it's it's the the case itself, the the malpractice case, the 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 person who is suing is is representing themselves. And that's why the father, which I just found out his name is Dean Sanders Sr., he doesn't, he's like, it's, not, it's nothing because he's an idiot. And when the case comes up, it's obvious that this guy is a puppet of some sort. And we don't know who he's a puppet for. So Stu is, is like I said, he was following him at one point in time. And he saw, he saw a, an exchange of a jump drive. And then he works with Todd to, to get into the guy's apartment to take the stuff that's off the jump drive and... Which was happens to be a virus. But was then somehow gets mysteriously erased. Well, there was a virus on the jump there drive. There was a virus. The, which wiped out his computer. And all this crazy stuff is going on. And I'm following it. I'm like barely following it. I'm like, this is insane. Something's happening. And the show is doing a good job of making me feel while siding with Stu that something crazy is going on. Like I'm crazy. Right. For thinking that. Yeah. And the whole time, Dean is, is, is now, he's an intern at the law office, like, for realsies, like, what, yes, he is in a, he's watering <laughs> fake plants, but he is still watering <laughs> the plants, taking out the garbage, every once in a while, he, he, he'll say something grinder-esque, but not with as much drama as it used to be, um, he's, ta- he's, he's enrolled in law school, and, like, there are scenes, okay, it seems that every time Dean walks through a doorway, there's a crescendo of music. And I feel like that's really happening. As if there is a band standing off camera or like behind him constantly following him with theme music. The the in my humble opinion, the best part about these past three episodes has been Todd. <laughs> Because that man is an unsung hero in this show. There's something really special about him. The the, um, the scene where uh, Dean goes to his apartment to give him the invitation to, <laughs> and they're back to his back. like <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> burning everything grinder that he owns, and they're like, <laughs> they're like I'm not facing each other, and then he hands the invitation back, and Todd reaches it out with his hand, like not looking. <laughs> They, they, Everything about the physicality of that scene was just made it so much funnier. They start every episode of The Grinder by watching some episode of The Grinder and seeing as the as Dean has now taken that out of his life. They, this the standard is they're all sitting in the living room watching, and Stewart's like, "Why are we watching this?" The last I, I want to say it was the most recent episode. There was this the grinder scene that they were watching was a weird sort of like I don't know if it reminded me of Liar Liar to like the tenth degree because like the grinder is blowing coke in the bathroom and, and drinking straight out of the bottle and arguing with his partner's daughter. But it turns out that the the show is playing because Stuart and Todd are watching it in the office trying to figure out how to get Dean back. And there's Todd's like, I can't do this. This is wrong. The Dean doesn't want this. And he starts to leave. And then Stuart sort of calls it back. And he's like, how did, how did they win the case without the grinder? And Todd and D and Stuart get like nose to nose, like millimeters (laughs) from each other. And the, and the, the shot is held so long that it becomes uncomfortable to the point where Stuart goes, Todd, what are you doing? And before he could finish that statement, Todd's like, shh. <laughs> and then the, the show starts. <laughs> a crazy, insane credit to both of those actors for holding that scene and not breaking. 
Like, even just for one take. I don't care if they did 90 takes <laughs> and that was the only one that worked. Like, to do it at all. <laughs> Dean is taking, like I said, taking classes at law school. And Todd is there with him. Trying to help him get acclimated to school, like at their study group, he's sitting off in the corner. And the little sweater vest and the book bag, and he's carrying his books for it. <laughs> Stu finds him, and he's like, I thought you had a dentist appointment. He's like, you caught me. I'm helping Dean get settled into law school. It's Chris, what do you think is going on? I have absolutely no idea, and I think that's what's fascinating me. I don't know what's happening. I don't know who's behind it. What's behind the mystery? What ex- like I don't know. The evidence and is like, I'm genuinely interested to find out. How rare is that for TV? Like usually you watch TV and you're like by the end of by the middle of the episode you're like this is what's going to happen and you know I know because I've seen TV before. I've never seen TV like this before. Because never. it's a fr- it's a comedy doing that. Like sitcoms don't do this. No, they don't. The fact that they they tackled the um, Stuart and Debbie, husband and wife, are now mm-hmm. working together, and it turns out that they don't have anything to talk about now when they're at home because they see each other too much. I wonder what that's like. like that's a real thing, and they they <laughs> talked about it, and the 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 way they got through it is that like. Um, Claire gives Debbie some advice that you know you have to Which bring out something terrible big. advice. Okay, but, the worst. but we don't we don't know that until Debbie follows I mean, the advice. Like you may have we know that it's terrible yes. advice because like we listen to it like I don't think that's very good advice. But it's a but... sitcom, so it should have worked. <laughs> okay, except it didn't. <laughs> it went horribly wrong because <laughs> the 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 topic that she brings up is like okay, they kiss goodnight. Stu turns over to 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 go to sleep, and you see that Debbie's sitting there in in the dark, and all of a sudden, like, okay, I think I'm gonna take our daughter to go get birth control tomorrow, and Stu just shy of falls out of the bed trying to turn the light on to have a conversation. So when Debbie brings this up to Claire the next day at work, Claire's like, "Yeah, I thought that might have happened. I'm really not good at giving advice." <laughs> <laughs> and I just about fell off of the couch because I thought that was hysterical. The show just, like, they just played the long game with that joke. Yes. Like, they were just, just trusting the viewers to be like, okay, well, this is sitcom logic. And they're like, no, 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 I'm terrible at giving advice. You shouldn't listen to me. <laughs> and who knew Nat- Natalie Morales was this funny? Like, damn. Yeah. Well, okay, Um. The, the okay, uh, who is the, I guess it's, was it the director or the creator of The Grinder? The guy from Cliff Bemis. Bemis. Bemis shows up to help in this getting Dean back to the grinder. And he he is his payment, I guess, is a date with the hottest lawyer in where are they? Ohio. I don't know where they are. Idaho. Idaho. And Stu says, Yes, I'm working on. I'm working on getting you that date with the, the hottest law person in Ohio. And Fuck Claire hears that and she's like, What are you doing? Like, I am not some piece of meat to be pawned or traded. And Stu's like, it's it's not you. He wants a date with Todd. Todd. <laughs> Which we then fast forward later on in the episode, we see the two of them sitting at a booth at like an Italian style restaurant, and Bemis is like overfilling his wine glass, trying to take advantage of him. And Todd is having a fantastic time. <laughs> No, absolutely no clue what's going on. Absolutely no, none. None, none whatsoever. I don't. I, this show is so entertaining. It's so good, and it, it looks like a lot of fun to make too. Like I just imagine the cast just has such a good time together. <laughs> yes, they do look like, do look like, like they're having funsies. Um, so I like I have no. I couldn't. I, I was thinking about maybe we can guess at what the hell's going on, but we have no idea. Like you saw, like. One of the, you know, plot devices that they used was the evidence board to try to get. Yeah. And they literally showed everybody that they've interacted with throughout the season. The whole season. And this, the weird yarn connecting everybody. And like, I, don't, I have no idea what's. It, I hope it's a, it's a twist. I hope it's like the, the grinder New Orleans dude. You know what I'm saying? There's Timothy Oliphant's oh, doing Timothy it. Timothy Oliphant, that is more Timothy Oliphant is never a bad thing. The only thing I can say about where I think this is going is that it's going to some insane twist. 
And then an even more insanerer cliffhanger. <laughs> insanerer. Thank you, Doctor Who, for that phrase. <laughs> Things are about to get even more insanerer. <laughs> yeah, I, the, the thing I love about this show <laughs> is that it, at the same time it manages to model that overly dramatic television format and also mock it. Like, yeah. the, 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 sh- the show that we watch, The Grinder, is doing what the show on the show, The Grinder, does. Like, just being these, having these crazy, overblown moments and, like, like outlandish characters. And it's doing that, and it's also making fun of that at the same time. And I don't know how they do it, but... I want them to keep doing it, and if they can do it at the same level that they're doing it now, I want them to keep doing it for a long time. I can't wait till this actually comes out, like season one comes out on DVD, and then they have that special feature on there where it shows all of the grinder clips together. From the, <laughs> yes. you, you know what I'm talking about? The actual grinder show that's within the mm-hmm. show. I want to see that. I want to see elongated clips of that show. <laughs> um, same here. Seriously, and like Rob Lowe is the hardest working man in show oh business God. right now. But he looks like he's having a really good time, which is, I guess that's, I guess that makes it easier. I guess <laughs> maybe I, he's another one. I think has an aging portrait of himself in his attic. Yes. <laughs> yeah, he has not not one bit has he changed. No, not nothing. No. He's in real good shape. <laughs> yes, there were a couple of shirtless shots, but. The the ending of the final, it's not even, it's like mid-season. I don't even know, what is it, like episode 16 or something like something that? Something like that. 17. They're building, they're building up to the end of the season, but we're not there yet. Yeah, and that's what's so crazy. We're we like got five episodes a, We got out. several episodes to go, and I don't know where they're going. <laughs> the rising, it's called From the Ashes. The final scene is... You know, Dean's standing over the charred remains of all of the stuff he has burned. He has made the decision that he's no longer going to be dating his or sleeping with his, you know, therapist. <laughs> and that interaction was priceless as well. He's like, she did such a great <laughs> job of playing straight for laughs. Like everything she was suggesting but that was why? completely insane. She was totally serious about it. Like, yeah, of course. This is how therapy works. <laughs> when <he's> te- <laughs> no, it's not. When he tells her I, we can't see each other anymore and she starts, like, crying. But why? <laughs> but why? I want you to tell me why. I it was I was, like, tears were rolling down my eyes. I was laughing. It's so hard. She's fantastic. But the, the, the culmination of this, this episode is him standing over the, the charred remains of everything and... And there's the glint of something metallic in there. And he reaches down and he pulls up the aviator glasses. And he rises from the ashes, the phoenix that is the grinder. So I cannot wait till the next episode comes up and he is in full bore grinder mode. Like we get him back and makes everything better and more entertaining again. Yeah, looks like they took this week off, but they'll be back next week. So uh, that is something I'm looking forward to. Yes, yes, it is. So let's do a quick recap. I We've just spoken about it. Grinder, we're all on board, correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Uh, I, you know what? I'm going to take the hit for the O'Neills. Don't anybody else watch it. I'll check it out, and I'll report back whether it's worth it or not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Thanks, Evan. Yeah, I, I'm a team player like that. Uh, the Muppets, absolutely. Yeah. Let's cross our fingers for season two. Let's, let's hope we're getting to season two. And Downton Abbey, absolutely. I know it's gone, but it should not be forgotten. It's, it's only like you said, 52 episodes. Is that including the Christmas specials? Mm-hmm. That's every episode. That is, according to IMDb, that is the total number of so episodes. That's one episode a week for a year. Yeah. You could do that. That's easy. You could do that. You could do a whole episode by episode podcast or something. Someone could do that. Hmm. I think things are about to get even more insaner. <laughs> All right, Chris, I know you're not feeling well. But please. But I'll do it for you. Thank you. I appreciate that. 
What is it that I will do? I will tell you that you can get in touch with us at mail at geekade.com as well as all flavors of social media that we inhabit. You can like us on Facebook, find us on Instagram at Geekade, subscribe to our YouTube and Twitch channels for all our latest video content, and follow us on Twitter at the underscore Geekade, or follow this show specifically at TWEPCAST, that's T-W-E-P CAST. You can also find us individually on Twitter. I'm at Geekade Chris. That's Geekade K R I S. Evan is available at Geekade underscore Evan. And Karen is available at Shoot underscore the underscore moon. If you're interested in more information about anything we discussed tonight, be sure to check out our show notes. And while you're at it, you can also subscribe to this and any of our other wonderful podcasts on iTunes and or Stitcher, where if you're super nice, you can leave us a review because any and all feedback is welcome and appreciated. Again, as always, remember to keep your eyes on geekade.com, where we post something new every single day. Back to you, Evan. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. All right, with that, people, we're going to say goodnight. Um, Please... Check us out on, you know what, check out all the other stuff as well on, on Geek Aid, because there's some really entertaining and amazing stuff there. We work hard to bring entertainment and geek culture to you, so check them out. Um, well, with that, from everyone here at this week's episode, I'm Evan. I'm Karen. Because love. Good night. I forgot that Changus was live. What is that? Not live tweeting. What's that other shit that we do for Twitch. videos? Twitching. <laughs> Tweet, Twitch. Yeah. Twitching. I'm twitching. I'm twitching. I'm twitching. I'm twitching. <laughs> I have to make my lunch still. No, you don't. You're getting taken out to lunch tomorrow. Oh, that's right. Fucking A. <laughs> I, love, I love everything right now. <laughs> Ah, the little things in life. Free pizza rolls. By the way, the thing I didn't mention on uh, when during Downton Abbey when you were talking about uh, the Maggie Smith and how she helped break that other guy out of his house. You know that character's name is Dicky. <laughs> Dicky. <laughs> and everybody says it with a straight face. Nobody laughs. <laughs> well, they're English. And this concludes our broadcast day.